welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Hello, everyone. It's Jessica. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. It is so good to be with you. I hope you're having a wonderful summer. Today, we have a great conversation to share with you with Nina Brostrom. Nina is an extraordinary mom of all boys, just like me, just a little bit ahead of me, my motherhood journey. And today, we're going to talk about her journey through motherhood, parenting children with ADHD, and some special needs that have really challenged her ability to advocate for them, to love them through their most challenging years and times, and how we can do the same. We'll also talk about her reaction when her brother came out as gay a few years ago, how she was able to support him and love him, and then it really has educated her and driven her mission to support other kids and adults in the LGBTQ community in order to make them feel loved and seen and heard. We talk a lot about doing what is right according to our own instincts, our own intentions, our own values, even when it's challenging on the outside. So if you've ever parented in public and felt like there's eyes looming at you, this is the conversation for you. If you are a people pleaser like Nina or I, (laughs) this conversation is for you. It's not about taking sides on any issues. It is about showing love and compassion and understanding to all people and to expand our mindset in terms of what everyone is entitled to, and that is love. So let's get to my conversation with Nina Brostrom. All right. I want to welcome Nina to the show. Hey, Nina. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Well, I'm really excited. This has been a long time coming. You were on my radar last year and things just got busy, but I'm just thrilled to be chatting with you today. So thanks for coming on. Well, it's great. I'm glad that we finally made this work. I know. Me too. Me too. But for people that may not know you, will you just give a little background on yourself and your family? So um, I am a mom in Utah County, so I'm about 30 miles south of Salt Lake, and I have four boys. I have a, my oldest is 13, almost 14, and then my youngest is six. And um, I mostly was raised in Utah. We lived in Columbus, Ohio for five years, the beginning of our marriage and having children. I've been a stay-at-home mom the last um, couple years. I helped start a nonprofit and have served on that board, but mostly my life has just been raising these boys. Yeah. I'm a boy mom too. So I love it. We have a lot in common and, and you're a little bit beyond where I at. I am. I have an eight, six and two. And so I love to hear from uh, older boy moms who can give me the vision for what's ahead. And I think it just gets better and better when you are intentional with raising your kids, um, doing the very best you can, but really it's about developing those bonds early on so that when they are those emerging teenagers, you have that connection already. Are you kind of finding that as they're getting older? Yes. And they're, mm. it's fun, actually, to see them turn into these people, and they surprise you. Mm. I, you kind of think you know what they're going to be like when they get older from how they're as kids, and they really surprise you. Really? Um, yeah. 
What do you mean? So Can you give me an example of that with one of well, your kids? Like my second was just always so, we just thought he would be the surfer dude that didn't <laughs> care about anything. And he's way more high achieving than we expected. And then my oldest in a lot of ways is more mellow than we expected. So I don't know. I mean, some of their traits carry through. But like, for instance, my eldest just tried out, he's been super sporty his whole life. And then he came home one day, he's like, oh, did I tie him in concert choir next year? <laughs> and he tried out for concert choir, and he was like the only seventh grader, one of a few that did. I mean, just weird things like that, I, I didn't see coming. Amazing. So fun. I love that. I love that. And I just think, yeah, that's why we should never label our kids as, oh, that's the quiet one, that's the yeah. this one, that's the smart one, that's the competitive one. Because really our kids are such a mixture of so many things. When we label them just by one blanket statement, um, you know, we're really limiting what they could become if they really take on that label too deeply. And it's fun to see. Last week we went to my oldest concert choir, his dance performance, and his soccer games. So it was just a whole mesh of fun. Wow. Wow. And as a boy mom, you don't really think maybe that that diversity is in your cards and so that gives a lot of hope to moms to be like, you just never know what your Saturdays will look like. <laughs> yeah, and I will say that in his, because it was, he just took a hip hop class in junior high, but the most enjoyable thing I've ever attended for all my kids and years as mom was his little hip hop performance. Really? I thought, well, this is where it's at finally. <laughs> <laughs> that is too fun. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying getting to know Nina, but I wanted to thank one of our show sponsors, and that is Sunbasket. We are newly into the swing of summer over here and already I'm feeling the pressure to cook dinner at home. I'm so tempted to drive through places, but you know what? When I have an option that is just as easy, affordable, and way, way, way healthier, I'm gonna opt for that. That's where Sunbasket comes in. Sunbasket is delivered right to your own home and it makes it easy to cook healthy, delicious meals at home, 30 minute recipes, organic produce, sign me up. You can choose from 18 weekly recipes based on various diets, paleo, gluten-free, lean and clean, vegan, Mediterranean, family, and so, so much more. They work with the very best farms and suppliers to bring you fresh, organic produce. Everything's pre-measured, it takes the guesswork out of dinner, and then I'm not tempted to go through that drive-through. So here's the amazing deal they want to give our listeners. If you go to sunbasket.com slash EMP today, you can get $35 off your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash EMP for $35 off. Sunbasket.com slash EMP. Thank you again, Sunbasket. So tell me about early motherhood for you. What was that like? Well, so we were married four years before we had children. We waited, and then I had several miscarriages. And so I think by the time we had kids, we were really ready and we were living away at school and the people we were with um, living by and our friends had babies and so I think we were just really um, ready for that and we were kind of watching how their kids behaved and I remember thinking our kids aren't going to be the ones that get run around they're going to be the ones that sit really still Uh and listen (laughs) and I just had this really clear vision of how well behaved they'd be and then um, I remember also thinking that it would be my baby after losing several pregnancies thinking when that baby gets born it's going to be my baby and I clearly remember in the hospital holding my eldest thinking 
he um is his own person like he Mm -hmm. I knew he wasn't mine like I he was in my care and it was like this privilege to have my care but I clearly knew in the hospital this one he is not mine and Mm -hmm. um and I think that was good with him because he's made sure I've known that every day since so Mm -hmm. (laughs) interesting yeah and and I think that when we're not feeling super I don't know if super bonded is the way that you would describe it, but when we are feeling like they are more independent and no matter how, what we do in terms of our parenting, it's not really going to rule their lives. They have their own ideas and their own path and everything. Does that scare you a little bit or has it really empowered you to release that sense of control? Well, so I think, I still thought I could totally control him for some reason. Uh-huh. And so even though I understood he was his own separate entity, I thought it was my job to form him. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just a high control person and I can create a rigid system around, you name it, everything. Like I can, I just like to create false sense of control and that's something I have to really work on to be, to empower my children more. Mm-hmm. Um, but because he is the child he is I've it's forced that for sure Mm -hmm. if I'd had some of my other kids first I think I could still have a lot more thought sense of control than I do Mm. and so do you think now like you're so glad that you had him first so then it really impacted the way you viewed your role as their mom and caretaker versus their the ruler (laughs) Yes, I'm so, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you just only know what you know. And he's just, yes, I'm glad we had him first. I think we learned a lot. But I also, you know, if I'd had another first, I'd probably be glad we had him first. Totally. It always works out the way that it's supposed to. And so you went on to have four boys, and a couple of your sons ended up being diagnosed with ADHD. And the thing that I really wanted to chat with you today about is because – I have a son that at three years old, I was sobbing in the preschool parent-teacher conference, and I should mention my mom was his teacher. So, like, I knew everything that was coming, but I was so – she's like, oh, Parker, I don't know. Like, he never stops moving. His brain is spinning so fast. He doesn't have impulse control, all these things, and – We had him tested for ADHD and he didn't, you know, meet that mark. But I started parenting him like a child with hyperactivity. And we did, you know, different things to help improve and kind of systemize his life in a way that made him more successful. But I was so worried he was never to be successful in life because at three, you know, he just was spinning out of control. So... I really am coming to you as the expert because you've done this. You've walked this walk. And I know that your friends call you the the expert as well on this. Tell me about the road you walked with ADHD and what that looked like for you and everything that you tried that did or did not work and kind of what you came up with in the end that was successful. So, well, I'm the expert and only that I live it every day. Not that I have any great answers, but um, – you know, there isn't really an end. So, Mm. but I think that's with all kids and that, um, I had a friend that had, she found out something about her daughter recently. And she said, I just realized that she's not going to have the life I thought she would. And that's sad. And I said, well, welcome to being awake because that's all of us, but we all go a long time with this illusion that they will, that we will, they will, their life will be these tidy little boxes. And for me, I thought if I parented exactly right and followed all the rules, whichever they were, 
that I, my kids would turn out exactly right. And so, and I don't even know what that, it's like this amorphous goal of what Mm -hmm. right is or perfect is, but I just knew it was going to look tidy. And so when my son, and with the ADHD comes so much good and so much work, I think just normal little things that other people don't have to think about are huge tasks. I mean, just sitting still. So, um, by the time he got to school, there had been things we'd gone to parenting classes and a counselor. We just didn't know something was amiss, but we didn't, as first time parents, we just didn't know what it was. And then in first grade, um, they would do this system where they would get green, yellow, red mm-hmm. and for discipline. And the, um, I mean, it's first grade, so I don't think anyone really even got to yellow, but he had red every day. Mm-hmm. And finally, I just walked over to the school and I said to the teacher, I don't know what is going on. I mean, I don't think he has ADHD. He seems to be doing it on purpose. And she just said, yeah. And I just in that moment thought, huh, maybe I'm missing something. And I went home and it just occurred to me and I Googled it and everything matched. I went to the doctor. He said, how long have you been waiting for us to come in for this? He's like, since I met you. Cause oh. it was just so obvious from the outside, but we just didn't know. Mm. And, um, you know, he was still the same kid with the diagnosis. We never thought it was like a stigma. It was never something to hide because he just, all it was, was information. And there's this whole spectrum and I have several boys that have it and it's all different. It looks different on all of them, mm-hmm. but it gave us power. And so the first thing basically when you go to the doctor is to try um, stimulants. And I was so nervous about that because I don't even like giving my kids Tylenol. So or Mo Turner, I don't even know if he's still, I don't know. They change the drug rules all the time, like cough syrup or stuff. So I'm very cautious of that. But um, it was in and out in one day. So I just thought, well, we'll try it. And so we tried it on a Sunday when he was home. And we had been trying to teach him to tie his shoes for two years. And it was the first day he took it, he learned to tie his shoes. Wow. He just sat there and was like, no, I got this. It was so starkly different. And what we realized is he was a super pleaser we thought he was really defiant Mm. he was actually a pleaser and it was so um heartbreaking to know this kid had been in trouble but it wasn't who he wanted to be and so we ended up and I know everyone has different feelings about this we ended up doing stimulants we tried um we've tried I think everything we've done extreme diets for long periods of time exercise meditation and I my friends that have tried um and different supplements. And I know people get nervous when they try stimulants and, and I have friends that chose to them, chose not to whatever. Everyone has their own way. And I think you just know what's right for you and your family. For us, it was the only, it really was like the only way we could survive. Cause my husband's working time with all these little kids, but for him at the time, it was a good thing, but it wasn't a for everything. And I think that's what you can just because you do it today doesn't mean you have to do it tomorrow. Mm. And it's not like, oh, now we have this and we are done. And this now we've just signed ourselves on this journey that we can never get off of. No, it's just this is what's working today. And so we've done, oh, my gosh, five different things probably in the last three years um, just for what's working today. Mm-hmm. And, what, and I've always let my kids choose. That's the other thing. Even when they were little and he um, – just recently said to me, mom, I just hate 
that feeling of when I don't have my hand on the wheel. And it just, he like goes through, he listed all these memories of feeling out of control where he was kind of freaking out and made a big scene. And um, so I'm grateful that he had the opportunity to, to have his hand on the wheel and realize, be treated like he was a good kid mm. instead of just always being in trouble. Oh, that is but so I, heartbreaking to think that the good and the intention of people pleasing, not that people pleasing is the best thing. We're going to talk about that later. But that he had that desire to do good, and yet he was really trapped by these out-of-control wirings that were preventing him from exhibiting that type of behavior. It's just so sad. And, you know, I'm sure when you were trying, we've removed red food coloring. We've done the different diet things too. And sometimes we would view it as like a, okay, it's like a punishment. Like, nope, no red yeah. food coloring. Like everyone else can like have licorice, but you can't. And you can't have that popsicle. You can only have that popsicle. And, but when you view it like when you don't have the red popsicle and you have the blue popsicle instead, or you, you know, don't have the popsicle at all, you are able to tie your shoe. You are able to be yeah. praised for effectively completing a task. You are able to receive all the attention that you were receiving negatively before, but in a positive way that fills you up. Like that's, that's the choice. It's not you're being punished because something's wrong with you. Right. Right. And it's so hard because all even my little boys, cause we, they'd call it the diet cause we had taken out, um, dairy and gluten and everything basically for a year and a half and so they always refer to it as a diet and my younger boys if one was acting out the other boy would be like you're gonna have to go on the diet and so it is hard <laughs> it is a threat like yes. a threat exactly and as a parent yourself like I'm gonna put you on the diet or it's so hard not to go there but it is you know. so hard it is so hard but we just want to help our kids to see what works for them Right. And, exactly. and when we can help them to see what is possible when they're doing the things that are good. And I hate, I don't know, the word good is kind of relative and weird, but that are productive and helpful and kind and exhibiting their true light inside of them. Not the thing that's masked by all these other symptoms. That's what we well, want to see. My biggest regret in it, and I think that ties into this, is that instead, when he, he would throw these big fits, and instead of trying to hear what he was saying, I just wanted him to stop and gain control, yes. and he just really needed to be seen. And so I feel like I would shame him in ways like, you should be embarrassed for mm-hmm. acting like that, mm-hmm. or do you know what this person thought of you? And yes, there are ways that are expected in school to behave, to get the... To the um, I mean, just the natural consequences. Kids don't really want to play with kids that randomly hit them. They just don't. Yeah. It doesn't mean he's a bad kid, and that might be the best he can do. And so you want to give him tools to overcome that. But I wish I had listened more and not – I mean, I think you're doing the best, and I was kind of in survival mode. But I also think I was so worried what other people thought, and I projected that on him. And I, I wish I'd done a better job with that. That's my only regret is, like, kind mm-hmm. of shaming him about it instead of – being more present in the moment and trying to understand what was at the root of the behavior, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. We have all been there. We have all been there. I love how Brene Brown says, shame works. You can shame yeah. your kids into anything. It will it will stop the behavior, but it will ruin your kids. And not that your kids are ruined. I, the, thing, the fact that you're yeah. self-aware enough to realize that is not working for me. 
that is not working for them. We need to do something different means that you've made that shift and that you have a desire to continue making the shift. And there's a lot of years left to parent that way. And so for any parents listening that feel like, oh my gosh, I am always being like, stop it. You're embarrassing me. When we make our children feel like they're responsible for our feelings or our not being embarrassed or our, you know, keeping up pretenses, that is not, that's not a good model. But we've all done it. It's all slipped out. I hear all the time, gosh, what do you think Grammy and Papa thought when you were freaking out at the zoo and you should have been so grateful? Oh, right. That didn't And it's so simple anything. to, it yeah. comes out so easily. Right. Where we're like, if you behave like that, I'm going to be really upset. Or, right, right, exactly. You know, and it's a fine line of, there's a consequence to the behavior, but you're not, Um, responsible for the way I react. Totally. Yeah, I'm super big on positive parenting um, lately, and I've been reading and learning a lot about it. And it's so much a matter in parenting of managing your own emotions, being your best self, being self-aware yourself, because then you're more aware of how you're communicating with your kids. But not only that, you are modeling for your kids appropriate behavior and teaching them through what you are doing. And then they will ultimately hopefully in the good ways, mimic what you're doing. Um, and that goes so far, but we're all, we all slip into that because it seems like the easier out because it, it's sometimes quicker. And when you are raising high needs kids, which I felt like mine were demanding and Mm -hmm. we had these four boys in seven years and they were extremely demanding and they just little things that other parents, like I couldn't put a baby in a bouncer because my, and a toddler would pull them out. I could mm-hmm. never lay a baby on a floor. So I couldn't ever set a baby anywhere. And I would have, I mean, it was just mm-hmm. constant. So when we, I would do all these parenting classes and all these parenting books and I was reading everything and I would look at my neighbors and my friends and they just did nothing and their kids were great mm-hmm. and not nothing, but it right. just wasn't this extreme thing every day and I couldn't figure out why it seemed so much harder and so when you're in that mode and I know so many parents are where their kids had different needs it's even easier to slip into that and you just have to be forgiving with yourself as well because you're just doing your best Hey everyone, I hope you are loving my interview with Nina today, but I wanted to thank another one of our show sponsors, and that is Turnkey Product Management. Do you have a business where you're looking to sell products on Amazon, or maybe you're already selling products on Amazon, but you're not seeing the sales results that you would really like? That's where Turnkey Product Management can help you out. Jeff Lieber founded a company that helps businesses like yours to list and sell their products on Amazon. Turnkey provides expertise in all areas and all product niches to help improve the listings themselves, improve the quantity and quality of customer reviews, and provide support for your team to run those Amazon listings. Amazon is a beast, it is not easy, and so Turnkey can take that headache off of your plate so that you can focus on what you do best in your business. You know how I know that this is a great company to work with? My brother started the company and I help him out as well. So Turnkey Product Management can help you across any niche, whether you have a yoga mat company, a children's brand, sunglasses, you name it, we can represent you and really accelerate your sales. So it's worth a free consultation, which we offer. So go to turnkeyproductmanagement.com, click on the button for a free consultation, fill out a really quick questionnaire, and we'll be getting back to you soon to set up a phone call. Thanks again, Turnkey, for sponsoring the show. And now let's get back to it with Nina. Yeah, let's dig a little bit deeper into the, you're looking at your friend's kids and comparing them. And maybe it's a behavior, maybe it's just 
you know, Johnny is making the A soccer team and your kid's making the B soccer team, or you know your child should be getting certain grades, but they're just not applying themselves according to how you view it. And tell me about the role that parenting in front of other people, how is that manifested? Because I feel very self-conscious about my parenting when my kids are acting up in public and they're still little. So we have lots of that, right? They're always doing or saying things that it's like, and I might respond one way in my own home or respond with more patience or less patience or whatever the case may be in a different setting. But when eyes are on me, you feel the heat. Have you felt that heat and how have you responded? Oh, absolutely. And so we, my husband and I are both oldest. So we were like first grandkids, all our siblings and the best judge of how good a parent is doing is someone that has no kids. Totally. (laughs) So we had all these siblings that we're sure couldn't figure out what was going on with our kids. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I live in a community where, um, just the way it's set up here and church and everything, everyone kind of knows each other and sees everything and knows almost everything about you. And so it wasn't something that we could hide. And so I always felt self-conscious everywhere I would go. And I, you know, I would do the things I could control. Like I would comb my kids hair every single time we left the house and try to dress them well and do these things to make them look like, make me look like I was engaged. Um, Mm. But I was always insecure at parent-teacher conferences. And I mean, just everywhere. I think a couple years ago, I had an experience where I kind of had a shift in that area. And I think that's when it started changing for me, um, being super hyper aware of what people were thinking about my kids and being able to let go of that a little bit. Yeah. Was there a trigger for that shift or you just realized it wasn't working? So what actually happened was my brother, who I was really, really close to and always kind of, he was seven years younger, but he'd always kind of been a hero to me, came out as gay to me, but only to me. And, um, so I was trying to help him navigate that and that process and what we went through subsequently the next few years with that, um, completely shifted how I viewed what people think of you, what I viewed, how I viewed other people and, um, was able to just let go. And I think my kids now will tell you, especially the older ones, the younger ones kind of don't no, remember, they feel much more loved and accepted by me that I, they don't, I don't have these unreasonable expectations they can never meet, that I just love them as them. And it's not a show for anyone else. And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. And we are doing our best to be good people, the best with the tools we have. Oh my gosh. That is so true. And sometimes it does take a life altering type of incident, I guess we should call it, or a challenge or whatever to really put in front of our face the things that are happening in our day-to-day home. Like, yes, supporting your brother in coming out in this lifestyle that, you know, I don't know if you agreed with it at the time or not, but like ultimately you loved him. You loved him and you were willing and ready to support him through that. And we're going to talk more about the continued support that you've shown him and, and others. But Then you look at your own home and you say, am I doing that in my own home? Am I unconditionally loving and accepting my kids just as they are? 
right? And it's I think it's even right. harder when it's little, little things. Like there aren't big things that we're trying to overcome. It's like the little annoying things they do or the things they're not doing that just drive us up the wall. Are we accepting them as they are in this moment? That's harder. Exactly. That's harder. Well, and I think it was the shift from my kids are a reflection of me. Like what when people see their kids, it reflects on me mm. and realizing really my kids kind of a reflection to me mm. that I can see through my behavior with them or how I react. I can learn how to be more loving or in what other people think really doesn't matter. But instead of spending my time worrying about how they reflect on me, Mm-hmm. and spend more time reflecting to me if that makes sense so when they're behaving badly and if I'm thinking oh my gosh so-and-so is gonna think this then I can take a step back and why do I care what so-and-so thinks yeah. is this what does this have to do with so-and-so and right. what's at the heart of the matter here yes oh my gosh yeah when we're finding our kids are always pushing back on things or argumentative or they problem solve in a certain way that is like seems irrational to us sometimes we realize we're doing the same exact thing and we should know better but we just don't even realize it because some things are just so ingrained in us well we always expect our kids to behave better than we do, we do. that's what's <laughs> it's so, so embarrassing funny. yes we feel like they should be these little enlightened versions of ourselves and then when they aren't we're so upset about it with them <laughs> we are we are and that is what intentional moms do though there's a light bulb moment or a series of moments where it's like oh boy i've got to clean up my own act if i want them to at least be at my level if not surpass it right if that was our expectation and so as your brother came out to you, trusted you, and maybe you faced some some backlash, but ultimately you really learned about what it means to love people because they're a person and because they are lovable and because they are worthy of that love. How did that shift your view of basically the whole world and the way you viewed other people and and that informed you to want to go on and create more support resources for people in that community as well. Tell me about that journey. Well, I think, you know, and maybe it's just with age that the older you get, the less you realize you know. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when I was 20, I had it all figured out. And then now, at nearly 40, I think that I don't know that much. But the things I do know, you know, are kind of unwavering in that you can never go wrong with loving someone mm. and that I will never regret with my brother choosing love and with my kids I will never regret choosing love first and so when um my brother came out I you know I lived in this religious community I had a very narrow worldview although I didn't realize it that which was also interesting of how narrow my worldview was until it opened which I guess is probably true for all of us mm-hmm. um I didn't know how to help him all I knew is that it was he and I and we were in this together and I wanted to heal every hurt and I wanted to um make up for every wound and you know anything that he had missed out on through the years um carrying this burden, what he felt was this burden alone in private. And so um, I really had this unique opportunity to step in someone else's shoes and not that it, it, I know what it means to be LGBT or what it feels like, but to the best um, I could, I was able to step in his shoes and I became kind of his navigator as he hadn't come out to other people and wanted to learn more about. And so 
And I found it really hard to find resources that felt safe to me where I was at, at that point in my um, understanding and my faith and my religion, all that. And it was just really hard to get good information or any information um, and then everything that came with it. And so, you know, over time he, he eventually came out to my family and it, my family was wonderful and it, it felt like forever that we carried this thing together and, but it really wasn't that long and he came out and it was You know, he was accepted and loved and, um, he's doing well and we just are all love him as much as ever and are proud of him and it has changed nothing except for everything maybe I guess um but shortly after that because now I have this new understanding and I've seen this thing I had it before we have this high rate of suicides here Mm -hmm. in Utah and so all of a sudden I see these suicides and I'm like oh I know what's happening here because I have new eyes Mm -hmm. and so long story short I just really want to get in and make a difference and there was this woman that um, as I started just looking on Facebook and different groups and stuff, I met with someone and they lined me up with this woman who she thought, I got to do something for these kids. I'm going to buy a house. I'm going to buy a house and we're going to anyway. So we, um, she got, went into contract on this house. She and I hooked up. We worked with other people and put together a um, proposal and um, raised money and got money for the house and then ended up opening what, is now in circle um about a year it was a a year ago last february Mm -hmm. and so and now we've had and it's it was um you know her vision was a place that youth could come and have a safe place and my vision was a place where parents or people in my situation could go and ask questions Mm -hmm. and get help and feel safe and um that didn't feel scary and overwhelming and you know you can't i'm sure some people everything's scary and overwhelming and but I think we have met a need that was not there before in Provo Utah and so um we've had thousands of people come through and we have support groups and therapy and so it's been a beautiful journey that I'm so grateful for but when you kind of take stand up and speak out about something like that when you go so my brother came out to me several years ago I'm nervous that anyone will know that he's gay and then to not only acknowledge it but to embrace it Mm. and say this is something you know this we can do better you know Mm. and um and it was a scary thing to take a stand on and once you do something like that you kind of have to let go of everything Mm. you realize wow it really doesn't matter what other people think because they don't, they haven't walked in my shoes. So now that I have a new understanding of what he was going through, I can speak from a different place. And so, Mm. um, they, if they're judging my kids for this, they don't understand my kids. They're just coming from their place. It's not because they're bad. It's not because they're mean. It's not because anything they just, we all come, we only know the experiences we've had. We're like the sum total of our experiences and that's it. Yeah. Um, Glennon Doyle, Melton, maybe she's just Glennon Doyle now, who knows. But she says she actually has a lot of compassion for people that grow up in like racist homes, bigoted homes, um, people that are raised a very certain way. They really have no hope to think any differently than their parents 
thought and live a life than they knew growing up. And if they were raised in a very divisive home or if it's very conservative and very exclusive and that type of mentality, it is a really hard thing to expand your mind outside of that. It takes a lot of proactivity. It takes some, an event like this um, happening to you. And most people never feel forced into that. And so they just continue on their path. And she's like, that is an uphill battle. And I feel really sad for those people that are trying to rewrite the narratives that are the only thing they've ever known in their head. And so for the people listening that feel that they are in that conservative pool, that have not had a life experience like yours, that have not expanded their mindset to does anybody deserve to die over this? Does anybody deserve to not feel loved or supported? If that hasn't even entered their world, we need to have some compassion for that. And that's where you were years ago. It just wasn't part of your narrative it yet. It just wasn't part of my world. Yeah. And it wasn't because I was, you know, I feel like I'm a really understanding person and not very judgmental. I, I love yeah, people. Sure. And so I will sit with anyone and, um, wherever they come from, I'm super interested in just how they got there, why they believe that way, where, and not because I want them to come to where I am. I'm sincerely interested in learning where they are. And, um, I wish that we had more open dialogue like that, or that we realized that we belong to each other. I don't think so. It, it wasn't something in my sphere. So I didn't, I wasn't that aware of it, you know, now it is. And so I'm aware of it constantly, but there's other things that I'm not Mm -hmm. right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I now know, okay, so this I can see, but I don't know what I'm not aware of. And so the best thing I can do, and I think the best thing anyone can do is, um, lead with love because what it all comes down to is fear of the unknown fear that they're going to encroach on you know, it's, is this going to disrupt my life in some way? Or mm-hmm. is this person having these rights going to hurt me? And if we can just always lead with love, I think it solves a lot of problems. Yeah. And it's the fear that kind of gets in the way. I know for sure with me and for my kids. And um, and the more I think we can kind of love ourselves, which I know sounds kind of trite, but... Um, I think I was so hard on myself trying to keep everything in a tidy box. And when the best person I knew showed me this whole side of himself that I hadn't seen, it kind of just was this quantum shift where I was able to accept who I am more. Cause I think we all have these parts of ourselves that we just don't want anyone to see mm-hmm. and, um, or are ashamed of, but they're also like the best part of ourselves. And the more comfortable we can get with that and feel safe in that, the more comfortable and safe we are with other people that are different with us than mm. us. Yes, yes, yes. And it is so important to surround ourselves with that diversity, um, with being exposed to these types of conversations. Sometimes, literally, it's just our proximity that keeps us from these conversations, right? And so, I, I mean, I'm as guilty as anybody. When I see things about race in the news, it is not something that immediately impacts my world. Am I heartbroken for these families? Do I wish there was something different? Yes, but I'm not proactive about it because it's not impacting my world. And just because it doesn't impact your world means you get to stop or you get to not care, right? right. And I've been thinking a lot about this. So fill in the blank with whatever topic or whatever thing 
you know, you, you want that is not currently a part of your, your community or your sphere of influence or your understanding, how can we expand our mind a little bit more to have compassion and love, 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 love at the root of everything? And we may not understand it all at once. We may not totally agree, change our beliefs or agree or disagree, or and that may not change, but the love and the compassion that can change in an instant. Right. And I think it's just sitting. I mean, for me, the thing that has made the biggest difference and, you know, even last night, so the NAACP is coming and they're having their a board meeting here in Utah. And I had the opportunity to go to dinner last night with some leadership. And this is a whole world I'm not aware of and listening sure. to their stories and think, wow, I just, this is not something that's been in my realm. And yet this is your whole experience. And so I think the more we sit and listen to people and listen and mm-hmm. not try to get them to come where we are, but go meet them where they are and just try to understand them. I, I really think that's the key is just trying to understand because when you sit people there's a reason they inform me once I can see where they formed those beliefs or came to there. I can accept it, whatever they, it is, you know, mm-hmm. I, okay, that's where they're at. That is what their life experience has led them to. And when you're sincere in that, and then sometimes they want to know something about you and maybe that shifts a little bit, mm-hmm. maybe that them trying to understand you just shifts a little because you were willing to understand them, but you don't go in with the expectation for that. You know, and I had a friend, I was talking to, I ran into someone the other day and they were like, well, they need to know how to treat us. And I said, well, you have to teach them Mm -hmm. like in a loving way, you set the expectations, you can set the boundaries and you don't have to put up with bad behavior or bigotry or anything, but you set the boundaries in a loving way, accepting that this is all they know. This is where they're at. I have been there, you know maybe not in this way, but in other ways, mm-hmm. and just really trying to remember that we all belong to each other. I just think that is somehow gotten lost, that it's become this divide, that there's one side and the other, mm-hmm. but really we just all belong to each other, mm-hmm. and the more I think you can get to know and listen to someone's story, the more it wakes you up, and so if you're in some little conservative community or whatever, that's wonderful. It's so... If you can have a bubble and it's great to to be in a bubble. But I also think even listening to podcasts or different reading, different books or things from, um, I like to look at every news station so I can see what everyone is being fed. And so just picking one, you know, um, those kind of things, they're simple. It's just information is power. Yeah. And it starts with listening. You know, if you're feeling overwhelmed, like, oh my gosh, this is going to take so much time to like get myself up to speed for all these things. Then I have to be an activist and no, just start with listening, listening to human stories and let people feel safe that they can come to you and tell you their stories to be who they really are and show up because isn't that what we all want? Don't you want to show up as Nina, as the Nina you were created to be? I want to show up as the Jessica I was created to be and live the life that I believe I was meant to live without judgment, without restriction, without fear. We shouldn't, we shouldn't put that on other people if we wouldn't wish that for ourselves or for our children. And I found that the only person that has control over that is me. Yes, and yes, so yes, yes. I can never control how much someone judges me or totally. what they think of me 
all I can control is how I feel about me. And so if I am at peace with this, then I, and what I found is when I'm trying to apologize for myself, then, yikes, sorry. No, go ahead. You're good. (laughs) Um, When I'm trying to apologize for myself, people will think I have something to be sorry for. Mm. And so if I want to own something, they will always let me own it. Even if it's not my stuff, if there's a situation that I'm going to own everything in it, they are more than happy to give me the blame. And Mm. so if I can just show up and be okay and not apologetic about who I am, people pretty well accept that. Right. (laughs) You do teach them how to treat you. And and right. I've and I've heard too, like if you're gonna give somebody news of any kind, you need to put out the emotions that you would like to receive back because people really just wanna meet us where we're at. So if we go in, you know, meekly and crying and like, oh and weak, like they will treat us as weak and they will come down to that level. But if we're like okay, yes, we have a cancer diagnosis, but this is how I feel about it. This is what I need. This is, we can do this. We're going to have that empowerment responded back to us versus, you know, a lower level of energy. Do you find that too? Yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And it's a work in progress. Like, it is. So there's things about within, that I've learned within the LGBT community and within what we've done that have expanded. And there's so much more that I need to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but I'm still raising four kids. And so I can't be in it a hundred percent in ways I would want to be. And then there's people that, um, are much better advocates or activists because they can be in their space. And so, and we just have to be, except that we, it's just a process all the time. I'm mm-hmm. always trying to be okay with where I'm at, mm-hmm. at that time. And that this is the best I can do right now. And that I'll, I'll know more, more later. Yeah. And so it's, I don't have it all figured out. Right. And, and except for some days, you know, when you got it and then the next day you're like, dang it. Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Well, this whole experience and having your world expanded as it has, it's really had to impact your motherhood. And so will you just speak to that? Speak to how expanding your your worldview and your love for others and all of that, how does that relate in your own home? Um, you know, it is so freeing because I thought my world, like I said it before, that it all needed to fit in this tidy box, tidy box that my kids' lives, that our family, and um, and I've there's and that there's been a lot in the last couple of years where I felt like a hot mess, mm-hmm. and and it's kind of freeing to be okay with that, and that my kids they may have times in their life where they kind of look like a hot mess or that these expectations of what their life is going to look like are, are kind of washed away because I now realize you really can't plan. You can do your best and you be intentional and you model behaviors and you have expectations and you be there with them, but you don't know what their lives are going to look like. And it's kind of freeing. So Mm -hmm. I can do the best and I can love them, but I don't get to choose their path. And so I think that's where my husband, he said that he feels like more wholly accepted by me than he had in the past because I am this perfectionist driver kind of personality. And, um, I know my kids do and, um, and I think it allows for a more authentic, safe place and a, a more loving home than when it all had to be so rigid and everyone had to meet these expectations to feel like they 
received my approval, that they now know that it is my love, my approval, it is there regardless. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I do know. They, I'm a people pleaser. I'm a people pleaser too. And what I really, oh gosh, what is really striking me right now is it's it's okay. Like the sentiment of wanting to please people is good and, and great because it really is service oriented, except when it is not done with a motivation of, except for like making us dry up, right? right. And so instead of people pleasing, could we be love bearing, Right. So, oh, so if that. so, if that's yeah. the intent, it could be the same exact action. It could look the same way: dropping a meal to somebody, um, having a hard conversation, apologizing to somebody. It's not with the motivation of pleasing them and pacifying their emotions so that you can be okay. It is with the intent to love. Exactly, and that is, I guess. Well, goes back to what we said at the beginning of not being responsible for their emotions. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, in trying to please everyone, it just, you're, it's exhausting to it try is, to, because you don't even know if they're happy or if they're not. And so you're making these assumptions all the time and it just has me not. And so if I can just assume that they love me and I'm going to do this because I love them and then I'm not responsible for their reaction to it. And so right. if they aren't pleased, that's okay. I went to them with love. I gave to them with love. I served them with love. You know, I mean, I want my kids to want me to be proud of them. That's great, you know, but um, I want them to do it out of love and not because they think that they need to be responsible for my emotions. Right. And even if they don't love us in return, whoever that person is, or they don't like us in return, that uh-huh. is okay because loving somebody always feels good. Exactly. It does. And it's not about you. No. If they, if there's something, if they don't like you, it really isn't about you. There's something, you know, you're, you reflect something or trigger something that is within them. And especially if you're trying to be a loving person, it's just not your problem. Such a great reminder. Such a great reminder. Because I don't think, I think God made me to be, have this aspect of people pleasing. Um, and, and this is a term we've given ourselves, right? But really at the root, it's, I just love people so deeply. You love people so deeply. You want to know their stories. You want to connect. Can we just flip it and view it as a positive attribute of ourselves instead of being like, oh, I'm just such a people pleaser. It's the worst, you know, how can it serve you? How can that divine attribute serve you and serve others? Well, I think all our strengths are also our weaknesses and there is, you know, that that flip side. And so I have, you know, my biggest insecurities are also things that other people think are my biggest strengths, which is so funny. And so you're like, really? I don't know about that. And it's just being at peace with who you are. And that's just how, you know, that it's okay. And and, and going back to my kids, you know, the ADHD label, okay, well, it's just information. They are who they are. And so in society and in school, they like people to sit still. And so they can't really sit still. And so there's the consequences to that. Their value is the same, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but whether people praise them or not may change. Right. Bearing on that. So good. So good. There are just, this was just so rich and it just is so thought provoking and it just incredible. 
I love the model that you are giving to your kids for expanding their mindset, for accepting them as they are. And as you love yourself more and you become more self-assured in whoever I am and my best today is good enough, they'll believe that too. And I want my kids to believe that. And who, like, didn't you think by, I thought by like 40, I would be I would okay with myself? figure it out, like, yeah. What is this about? <laughs> I'm like, how am I this insecure like think that oh my gosh what do they think about me yeah. how does that happen I don't <laughs> right I know weren't we supposed to have it figured out by now <laughs> you would you would think so 40 year old seems so old when I was young <laughs> yeah, it sounds so old it does no but I think we're all just getting started we're all just getting started with these conversations and with this self-awareness. So you have done such wonderful work with Encircle. There are so many more resources now than ever before for support for the LGBTQ community. Did I get all the letters right? I think so. And we're going to link to a bunch of them in the show notes. But can you tell people where they can find Encircle or where they can find more information if they're listening and that is something that, that they are in need of? Yes. So we have a website, encircletogether.org. And it has information on it. We have a house that's open in Provo, Utah. Um, We will be opening a house in Salt Lake this fall and another house, I believe, too, this fall. Um, And so, you know, that is within the Utah. But there's so many resources. And that's the more I – there's more and more every day, which is so beautiful. And and I also have to say that I have seen the – best of this community so here it's kind of this tightly closed religious community I have seen the best in people we have people from all walks of life that have come from the most religious to the most other extreme and come in to serve and to help and in the end it just reminds we are all the same like Mm -hmm. it's that same thing we belong to each other and so um there is a place for everyone and we all deserve love yeah we just need to encircle each other Right. Exactly. That is, that is just it. it. Just I love it. Circle each other. Yep. Nina, I always ask my guests just one final question, and it's this: What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? Oh my! Relax, <laughs> <laughs> relax, and enjoy the ride. But I also, I guess, you know, I'm not someone that does relax, so maybe just be okay with the way you're going to do it because mm-hmm. you're kind of nuts, and that's okay too. <laughs> Maybe your kids just you needed a nutty mom. Yes. Um, yeah. Maybe your kids needed the nutty side of you. And yeah. 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 Well, awesome. there's that fighter side, which is good too. Yes, so there is. Nina, thank you so much for sharing your motherhood journey about all of your experiences. I love the work you're doing with Encircle. I just hope everyone walks away feeling a little bit more loving and compassionate towards anybody anybody they encounter today in their life and especially themselves yes start with you if you can start with you start with you it will trickle out because it it builds it will you know it does thank you so much nina thank you jessica i want to thank nina for coming on and sharing her motherhood journey today and for really opening my eyes to the work that she's been doing in the lgbtq community it boils down to loving people for who they are regardless of our view of them We just need to love them. We just need to listen to each other. That's at the root of everything. And our minds may expand quite a bit. We may be surprised where we end up when we just listen to each other's hearts, right? 
If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at jessicadalquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com is the place you can listen to past episodes, see pictures of Nina and her cute family, show notes. It's all over there on the website. I want to thank you for tuning in today. And this Friday, we have a new type of episode. It's an Extraordinary Kid episode. Back in, I think it was two Januarys ago, Janie Ward was on the show and she talked about her daughter Abby's fall off a cliff. (laughs) Well, it has been a year and a half since that fall. And today, Abby is speaking for herself. After suffering from a traumatic brain injury, she is now going to share what that event was like in her life, how she has fought through her recovery, how things are going today, and what she has learned from the experience. You guys are not going to want to miss this Extraordinary Kid episode. Well, she's a young woman, but still. I'm calling it Extraordinary Kid because she's not a mom yet. <laughs> it's going to be a good one. I hope you'll tune in on Friday for that. So thanks for tuning into the show today, and we'll see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.